Welcome to Building Insight, brought to you by the lawyers at Glayholt LLP. Building Insight is Canada's first podcast dedicated to construction law and dispute resolution. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, and welcome to Glayholt LLP's podcast, Building Insight. I'm Catherine Thornton, an associate at Glayholt LLP. And I'm Jackie Van Leeuwen, an articling student at Glayholt LLP. Today, Jackie and I are speaking about a lawyer's duty to the court and what it entails. An example of a breach of a lawyer's duty to the court is a case called Blake and Blake. In Blake and Blake, a lawyer failed to bring a critical case to the court's attention. The lawyer's client was the trustee of his mother's estate, who was arguing that his sibling's notice of objection was past the limitation period. However, the case that the lawyer failed to bring to the court's attention, Wall and Shaw, stated that notices of objection are not subject to limitation periods. Wall and Shaw was directly on point and immediately disposed of the lawyer's argument. Neither lawyer had brought the case to the court's attention. Without doing much searching, the judge found the case on his own. The judge also found a case comment that was posted in the form of a blog post on the lawyer's firm's website. Because of this, the judge inferred that the lawyer had knowledge of the case. Thanks, Jackie. For those of us who don't practice estate law, including myself, essentially what happened here is the lawyer was arguing X. There was a binding case from the Court of Appeal that said the opposite of X. No one brought that case to the court's attention. The judge found it on his own and inferred that the lawyer knew about the case because his firm wrote a blog post about it. A few lessons come out of this case. First, when a lawyer is aware of a relevant authority, the failure to bring it to the court's attention could be seen as an attempt to mislead the court. Also, when a lawyer doesn't know about an authority, Ignorance may not be a good enough excuse because lawyers have a duty to conduct reasonable research. Thanks, Jackie. In this case, the lawyer did not do reasonable research and his client was hit with a substantial cost award. The lawyer's client was ordered to pay substantial indemnity costs of approximately $90,000. So do your research or it could cost your client. The judge outlined a number of factors relevant to a lawyer's duty to the court. First and foremost, if there's a binding case, it has to be raised if it's relevant. Second, a persuasive case that is not binding doesn't necessarily need to be raised, but a lawyer should raise it if it's on point and from the same jurisdiction. Third, if a lawyer says that they didn't know about a case, to determine if the lawyer should have known about the case the court can ask whether the case was easy to find. If the case was unique and in a specialized area of law, like construction, it's less likely that the court will find that the lawyer knew about the case. And fourth, lawyers can't decide on their own if a case is distinguishable. If the case is relevant, the lawyer must raise the case and the judge can distinguish it as he or she sees fit. Thanks, Catherine. Now, I find it interesting that the judge in this case said that if a case was unique and in a specialized area, it's less likely that the court will find that the lawyer knew about it. Do you think this would apply to someone like yourself who practices in more of a niche area like construction law? 
Thanks, Jackie. That's a good question. The judge did say that if it's a unique case in a specialized area of law, it may be less likely that the lawyer could have found it through research. But the judge also said that if the lawyer practices in a specialized area of law, like estates litigation, and I'm assuming like construction litigation, that the duty to raise that case would be present. Thanks, Catherine. Now, I also find the last point interesting, that the judge said that lawyers can't decide on their own whether a case is distinguishable. In your opinion, if lawyers can't decide on their own whether a case is distinguishable, do you think this will change the way we practice at all? So following this case, lawyers would have to bring every relevant case to the judge's attention, um, even if it's clearly distinguishable. So this might result in some pretty thick books of authority as a first consequence. And the second consequence is it might involve a lot more time to prepare for motions. Um, There's sometimes, you know, dozens, could be hundreds of distinguishable cases that are relevant, but really clearly distinguishable. So it might just take some more time to prepare for motions if you're going to follow this to the letter. And we'll have to see what lawyers do with it. Um, Probably it isn't meant to be taken so literally that you're including hundreds of cases. But you have to now consider even non-binding cases if they're persuasive. Yeah, that's the other piece too. So the judge said that if it's on point and from the same jurisdiction, even if it's not binding... If it's persuasive, the council should raise it. It might just result in a lot of cases coming before the judge on a certain motion. Right. And some very thorough legal research. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to be put in a situation where the judge is doing your research for you. So, Jackie, what do you think are some of the implications of this case? Well, I think the the main one is to read everything your firm writes and publishes, because if you don't, the court can assume that you've read it. Yeah, exactly. I actually, I'm glad I have the good habit of reading our newsletter every time it does come out. Um, But if you're a lawyer practicing, especially at a specialized firm, you should read your newsletter or your blog once it comes out. So my next question then is how far we can take this case. It's a good question, Jackie. You could imagine some situations where things get a bit gray, For example, if you just joined a firm, uh, a specialized firm at that, should you have read their newsletters from two years ago? Could a judge find that you should have known about the cases in that newsletter two years ago? I'm not sure. There's no way to know right now. Um, There's also the question of social media. People are not just doing blog posts now um, and not just newsletters. People are posting on LinkedIn, on Twitter. If one of the associates at your firm, say, posts about a case, should you have known about it? And that's just on their their personal page, not even the firm's website. Yeah, yeah. It's impossible to know where the boundary is right now. Um, But, you know, it's a cautionary tale to not only do your research, but read what other lawyers in your specialized area are putting out. Um, because like you say, a court could find that you should have known about it. Mm -hmm. I mentioned blog posts and newsletters, but maybe it could extend to podcasts like this podcast. I hope all of our lawyers at the firm are listening. 
I agree, Catherine. It will be interesting to see what develops from this case. I think it's also important to note that this case comes from a really unique set of circumstances. It was almost a perfect storm where the case that neither lawyer raised was directly on point, and that the lawyer who was arguing the opposite of what the case stood for, that his firm had published a blog post on that exact case. Yeah, perfect storm definitely is the right term for it. It's a unique set of facts, and we'll have to see if it gets repeated, how the court deals with it. Certainly, Catherine. I think the main thing to keep in mind is to just do your do your basic research and your due diligence to make sure that you're not in a situation where the judge is, is finding a case like this for you. Absolutely. Thank you to those who listened. The case citation is in the podcast notes. I wrote an article about this case, Blake and Blake, and that will be in our newsletter. I'll be sure to read it. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And visit glayholt.com for more information. If you have any questions, email us at info at We look forward to having you join us again.